let's just take a second and pray. And what I want to do before we even get started with this, um, and I don't know when this stewardship series will end, so um, we're just going with it, and we're just doing what the, Jesus is telling us to do, Holy Spirit is leading us to do. And so today our um, title this morning is called Transformed Thinking. And I love how the Holy Spirit moves because I didn't talk to Rebecca and tell her what to say. I didn't actually talk to my mom, Pastor Ruthie, and tell her what to say. But everything they said, it's like a precursor, like you're getting like a trailer to a movie to what Jesus is going to do during this message time this morning in your hearts and in your minds. So before we get started, I want you to do something, and it's going to sound funny. And I, all I can, I just have this picture in my head, so I want you to do it. I want you to pretend like you're taking your brain out and holding it in your hands. <laughs> Go ahead. Take your brain out. <laughs> I know. I think of like Frankenstein. Whoa, uh, uh, uh. I don't know. Okay. Pretend like you're holding your brain in your hands, okay? Now you are brainless. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't have jokes. I don't. All right, so we're going to pray over your brain. Are you ready? Oh, <laughs> Bart's like, I don't have it left. Oh, praise God. N new brain, Jesus. New brain. Amen. But that's what we're praying for. That's what we're, we're going to pray over our brains this morning. I didn't take mine out. Hang on. Okay, I got it. Show me your brain. Some of you have really big brains. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Okay, say, Jesus transform my thinking. Oh, that's good. Do it again. Jesus, transform my thinking. Teach me your ways. Teach me your kingdom. Amen. You can put your brain back now. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I just got to pray. Hmm. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your word. It is so rich and so powerful. It is so effective. And Jesus, not only do I pray over the heart and the brain, the mind of every person in this house, but I pray that the heart and the brain would connect. Because not only do we need logic of the brain, but we need the passion of the heart to pursue what you have called us to pursue. So I pray over every heart in this room that there would not be anything to stop your heart from moving towards God. That our brains would not stand in the way, that our logic would not get in the way of what God has to say and what he is doing in this house and what he's doing in your house and what he's doing in this city and what he's doing in your job, that we would be able to put our minds and our hearts stayed in him and hear and know what he wants us to do next as we steward our thinking, as we steward what he has given us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Ah, so the last few weeks we have been, I think it's six weeks actually, today is week six, we have been talking about kingdom stewardship and we've gone from finances all the way to today to how do we steward how we think? How do we steward our thought processes? 
Our scripture verse that we've been using is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 through 11 in the Passion Translation. Every believer has received grace gifts, so use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. For example, if you have a speaking gift, speak as though God were speaking his words through you. If you have the gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength God gives you, so that in everything God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. For to him belong the power and the glory throughout all of eternity. Amen. Whew. I, I see angels worshiping at the throne. To him be all the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A steward is a person who manages another property, financial affairs, administers for that person, is an agent of another's possessions. And we've been talking about how everything that we have is his. Amen? Everything that we have is his. Our children, our families, our homes, our cars, everything. Our jobs, our positions, our gifts, our talents, what he's placed inside of us as our unique destiny, that belongs to him. And what we get to do is offer it as an offering back to him every single day. And Holy Spirit has been working on Leslie over the last few weeks. This message has been brewing in my heart and my mind, and he's been teaching me. Not just brewing so that I can come and deliver it to you, but he's been teaching me. He's been teaching me that he wants to transform how I think. We've heard that verse so many times. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when you receive Jesus, you receive a new brain. I'm going to let that sink in. When you receive Jesus, what do you receive? A damaged one, a messed up one, a crazy one. <laughs> you receive a whole new way of thinking, a renewed mind. You receive that, but then Jesus says, I want you to cultivate it. It's not just automatic. It's not just like a passive thing where, okay, thank you, Jesus. Now I'm happy all the time. I'm so good. Aren't you good? No. By the renewing of your mind. This means it's an ongoing process that we have to be active in the process. We're not passive robots. We are beautiful, uniquely designed, different human beings that see the world differently, that have different gifts and different passions and different ways of thinking. Isn't that beautiful? If we all thought the same way, it would be a pretty boring life, wouldn't it? It would be really weird. I don't know. I think of just like, I don't know, an alien invasion and everybody's, ah, bah, bah, bah. no. God made us all beautiful and unique and different. <sighs> I am not on my notes at all. That's all right. Holy Spirit, you take over. I'm going to read that 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in the NIV version. For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That is the authority we have over our thought processes and over our minds. Divine power. We are not victims 
to our thoughts. We are victors over our thoughts. How many of you would say this is a hard thing? I'm going to be real. I sat down to write this message, and the first thing I put down here is honesty. Honestly, this is a daily thing for me. I can get so fixated on a problem that it can have me spinning out of control in a matter of minutes. Come on, preach. (laughs) I can get so distracted by what's wrong that I can't even see straight. I can get so down on myself in a matter of seconds that I can't take the authority Jesus has given me and said, own it. I can't do it. I had an amazing day on Thursday worshiping Jesus all day. It was the entire day filled with worship. And on Friday when I got home, I realized how much I just, oh my God, I just want to be in that all the time. But you get back into real life, just like when you leave church and you go back in and you get ready for the week. And I'm fighting this thought all day Friday. And I kept battling it off. Nope, not today, Satan. Nope, not today. I am the victor, not just because I had spent the day in the presence, but because he's, he, he, he likes to feed us lies, and sometimes we just passively receive them and believe them, and we own them. Well, you didn't get invited to that because they don't like you because of this, that, and the other. Well, you aren't good enough to do that because you are too loud and you are too this and you are too that. And we listen to those thoughts and we internalize those thoughts and we don't hear the voice of God because that is not the voice of God. That is not how he speaks to us. That is not what he says about us. But if we don't actively steward our thoughts actively steward and say, no, I'm I'm taking this thought I'm going to take it captive. So what I want you to do is think about what this looks like. I'm going to, this is what I've been doing with myself, okay? I've been taking a step back outside of the thought. So this is the thought. I'm taking a step outside of the thought. I'm taking the thought captive and I'm saying, what is this? And what is it trying to do to me? Is it encouraging me? Is it lifting me up? Or is it putting me down? Is it putting me in the pit? Jesus said it, and Paul affirms it. We take captive every thought because we have power to demolish the strongholds in our thinking. So I I look at this, and this is just Leslie process. However Holy Spirit helps you process, you do it. Do it with him. Holy Spirit is the one that's going to help you work through this. But I take a step outside, and I say, okay, I'm going to take this thought captive, and I'm going to give you some questions to ask, some questions I've been asking myself. And the first question I ask myself is, is this truth? Is this thought pattern, is this a way that I am thinking? And some of you are thinking of very specific things right now. And I want you to take a step back and do this with me. Is this truth? Sometimes what is said, and I love this, Eric Uh, Fredrickson was teaching this in one of his teachings on Wednesday night on the prophetic. He said the way to discern is sometimes things are true, but is it the truth? Okay, so it's true that it, you know, 
A, B, C, D, E, F, G happened. It's true that this happened in your life. But what is the truth above what is true? What is the truth above the circumstance? The truth is I am still a daughter of the king. The truth is I have authority over this situation. The truth is, and you rise above what looks to be true and what is true in the earthly realm, and you go to the heavenly realm and the kingdom realm, and you say, okay, what is true about me? What is true about me? What, is, what does your word say? And the other question I ask is, does it breathe life? Because if it robs you of joy, if it robs you of your peace, if it robs you of the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it is not God and it is not his way of thinking. If it doesn't breathe life into you, I'm preaching to myself, then we have got to reject that thought process and get it out now. Take authority and demolish the stronghold. It is your ability. It is your right as a daughter and a son of King Jesus. Right? So we take it captive and we throw it away if it is not true. Philippians 4.8 says, keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real. Honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. It doesn't say sometimes, it says always. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Think on these things. Bill Johnson says there should not be a thought in my mind that is not in his. There should not be a thought in my mind that is not in his. And it's crazy. It is crazy how much we allow into our thought process. When I was going through anxiety attacks, my uncle gave me this scripture, and he said, I want you to repeat this. I want you to do breathing in five seconds, hold for five seconds, breathe out for five seconds, and then I want you to repeat this verse. That's why I know it so well. Because I was going through anxiety attacks where you feel like you're going to, you know, if you've been there. And I would do the breathing technique, and it stops your body from going into flight or fight, and I would say the verse. And at one point I called him and I said, it isn't working. <laughs> Being real. It's not working. Why? I'm repeating it. And he said, Leslie, I, you can't just say it. You have to believe it and you have to tell yourself what it means. So what you have to do is say, Leslie, you have to go back and you... you in the moment of an anxiety attack, you can't think straight. You can't think beyond point A. The enemy just traps you there and tries to just heap dirt on your head and bury you. And so he said, you have to go and you write down what is true. And then when you're in the middle of that, you say, okay, God loves me. I'm safe. He is holding me. He knows what I need. He knows this circumstance. He knows the deep pain in my heart. What is true? And you repeat to yourself the truths that God has poured into you in a moment of clarity. 
And you say, this is what is true. So that in the moment of an attack, you can say, no, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, and this is where I'll fix my mind. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. (laughs) And we hung up the phone, and the next time it came, I did what he said to do. And it isn't his idea. He's a great guy. He loves Jesus, but the revelation is in the word of God. And the revelation came from the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus dying on the cross, and it belongs to all of us, right? So it is a beautiful thing that we can take a step back out of that thought, we can leave it there, and we can say, okay, you're captive. Now, this is what I'm going to do with you. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is admirable, and we think about those true things, and then all of a sudden your breathing starts to calm. And your mind starts to go into peace. And it sometimes takes a while. But it's taking that thought captive and bringing the truth. The other thing you can ask yourself when you have a thought is, does this sound like my father? Come on. When you are remembering something that was spoken over you in childhood and it is keeping you from your full potential and you're letting it own you, that is not your father's voice. I'm going to stop right here because I feel like there's some healing that needs to happen in this room. In this moment, I'm just going to pray over you that if you have had a voice in your childhood that has told you certain things about yourself and you have and you continue to hear them even to this day, you may be in your 30s, you may be in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and you continue to hear those thoughts, whether they were intended to hurt you or not. The enemy has used them to beat you over the years. The enemy has used them to stifle you. Jesus wants to break that thought pattern right now. So if that is you, I'm going to pray over you. And everybody in the room, put your hand on your head. Because I think this can apply to all of us at some point or another. And Holy Spirit, right now, break that thought pattern right off. We take captive and we demolish strongholds and this stronghold will be gone. You talk to Jesus right now and you tell him what it is. You tell him what it is and he's breaking it off right now. No more will you believe the lie. You will only believe the truth in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. The verse that the Lord gave me a couple weeks ago when I have a negative thought pattern that is pursuing me, he said, he said, look at Psalms 19, verse 14. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation thoughts and every movement of my heart be always pure and pleasing and acceptable before your eyes, my only redeemer and my protector. And so what I would do with the thought that was attacking me, I would say, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. And I would repeat it over and over and over and over, and I would meditate on it. I would use it as a weapon. The word is our weapon. You use the word as your weapon, and you demolish the strongholds with the word. And you may sound like a crazy person because you're repeating yourself over and over, but you repeat yourself until that stronghold releases and it's done.
You get that thought captive with the power of the word of God. Whatever verse he gives you, you quote it over and over. As long as that thought persists, and I had a thought that kept persisting and kept pounding on me, and I said, I'm going to meditate on your truth. I'm going to meditate on your love. I'm going to meditate. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pure to you, oh God, because I am your daughter and you love me. And I would repeat that until the thought left, and it worked. Woo! It worked. This isn't psychobabble. This isn't like think higher and you'll be, you'll be okay. No, this is God giving us a plan of action because he knew what we needed before we knew we needed it. And, and I'm going to go jump back because I asked the question, does it sound like your father? And I want to tell you today, the father's voice is always love. Come on. God the Father's voice is always love. So we're demolishing a lie right now. If you have had a thought process that God's voice is anything other than love. God's voice is truth. God's voice is righteous. But God's voice, truth, and righteousness always comes through with love. Amen? Okay. Cool. So the next thing is, and I just kind of did it already, but does it line up with Scripture? And Jesus is our perfect example. He is our perfect person to follow. He's the one we're supposed to be following, right? Yes, we're supposed to be following Jesus. Good. What he said, what he did, how he lived this out, when he was in the wilderness, he was tempted. And sometimes our lives feel like a wilderness. And sometimes we walk through challenges, And what Jesus did during this time of fasting and prayer, when the enemy came to tempt him, I love what he did. It's in Luke chapter 4, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read. I have some highlighted parts, and it's just a couple sentences. So you can just, I, I think that, I don't know if they're on the screen, but just listen. Just listen to what Jesus did. The enemy tempted him. Jesus replied, I will not, for it is written in the scriptures, Life does not come from eating bread, but from God. Life flows from every revelation from his mouth. The enemy tempts him. Jesus rebuked him and said, Satan, get behind me. For it is written in the scriptures, only one is worthy of your, of your adoration. You will worship before the Lord your God and love him supremely. The enemy tempts him and throws lies at him. And he said, Jesus replied, it is also written in the scriptures, how dare you provoke the Lord your God. Jesus then, armed with the Holy Spirit, in verse 14, armed with the Holy Spirit's power, returned to Galilee and his fame spread throughout the region. He taught in the synagogues and they glorified him. How did Jesus fight his battle? With the word of God. He quoted scripture back to the enemy. This is how I fight my battles. For God so loved me that he died. This is how I fight my battles. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. This is how I fight my battles. May the meditation thoughts and every movement of my heart be pleasing to you, God. This is how I fight my battles. And I like what it says. You see, Jesus was fasting and praying. And where he, when you fast and when you pray, Holy Spirit is there. Amen? And he, he, it says that he was armed with the Holy Spirit's power after he left the temptation. Ha! Take that, Satan. 
You just set a fire of the Holy Spirit. And then with the authority of the word of God, he was defeated. It was easy. Jesus is like, ha ha, good job. This is what the word says. Good try, but this is what the word says. And that is the place I want to be. That is the place I want to stand. That is the place of authority. With the power of Jesus living inside of me, that same power that raised him out of that grave, raised me out of my grave, and gave me the authority over what is dominating my thought process. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Then I look at that thought and I say, is it causing me to sin? I heard it said this week that if we worry, worry is sin. Jesus said, do not worry. If we allow worry to be our frame of mind, our, our mind is not being renewed or transformed. Our mind is being formed, formed. Our brain, our neural pathways are being formed by worry. Our, our brains are so beautiful, and I didn't do any research about the brain, but I have heard and learned that our brains heal. <laughs> right, Bart? Our brains heal. And, and when there has been damage to the brain, the brain does something so cool. It recreates a new pathway. Jessica had a stroke during her surgery when she was coming out of the surgery. And they said, it's okay. Her brain will form a new pathway around it, and she will regain movement. Hallelujah. Your mind was made to heal. And so whatever pathway has been formed and whatever rut you feel like you've been in for however long, it don't matter, however long it is, it's kingdom. Your brain is Jesus. It belongs to him, right? We're stewarding what is his and your mind is his. So you say, heal that pathway. Help me to walk in peace. Help me to leave worry behind. Help me to confidently declare your goodness in the land of the living. It isn't a passive process. It's a very active process, a very active healing time that he has for you. Kingdom thinking, Jesus went even farther to say in Matthew Chapter 5, we keep going back to the Sermon on the Mount. I love the Sermon on the Mount. And every week we keep going back. And Jesus said, this is how we are to think. And I said the question, is my thought pattern causing me to sin? And I just addressed worry. But now it's it, the kingdom mindset, the upside down kingdom is if we have a thought, we can, we can either entertain the thought and actually move in that thought and walk it out, right? So you have the opportunity to stop at the thought and not let it go any further. But you also have the opportunity to play that thought out in your actions. And that's why it's take that thought captive, take it captive. And so when Jesus was talking about sin and he was talking about the religious people, he was really talking to the religious people, and he was saying, um, I'm going to read in verse 21, you're familiar with the commandment that the older generation was taught. Do not murder or you will be judged. But I am telling you, if you hold anger in your heart toward a fellow believer, you are subject to judgment. He, he's saying, 
you've already committed murder in your heart if you have hated a fellow believer. Jesus takes it a step farther, and it's intense, but he says, if you even have the thought process, it's already been committed. Then he goes on in verse 27, and he says, your ancestors have been taught never commit adultery. However, I say to you, if you look with your eyes, I'm sorry, if you lust in your eyes at the body of a woman who is not your wife, you have already committed adultery with her in your heart. Holy cow, that is intense. Jesus is saying, I am developing a new way of thinking that we honor one another, that we love one another, and that we don't let sin take hold, not even in our thoughts, right? Not even in our thought process. He's in the Old Testament was all about the rule and following the rules. And if you didn't commit that action, that action, that action, you're good. But Jesus is like, hang on. (laughs) I'm here to flip everything upside down. And I'm here to make everything new. And I'm here to give you victory over every sin, not just abstaining from it. Come on. That's good. He wants to give you victory over the thought patterns that have wrapped you up and bound you for years. He wants to give you freedom over every area. He wants, he, he wants to transform your mind. And that is good news because it is impossible for me to do it without him. It is impossible for you to do it without him. You can try and obey the rules all you want, as long as you want, but it will not succeed. Without Jesus and saying, transform my thinking, you will not move out of that pattern. And I'm not condemning you. I'm not, I'm not trying to keep you in the pit. Don't let the enemy lie to you right now. <laughs> what I am telling you is the truth of the word of God. Jesus died for your total and complete freedom. Jesus died for your total and complete healing. Jesus died for your total and complete freedom. <sighs> okay. The last question I ask after I've dealt with that, if it's a sinful thought, then what do you need to do? Forgive me. Give me authority in Jesus' name. Because when you, I'm just jumping back really quick. It is so cool, and Jesus is so good, that when you quickly come to repentance, he quickly comes to forgiveness. He quickly fills you with grace. He quickly replaces the ugly with the pure. He quickly restores. He quickly redeems, and you are set new brand new. It's gone. That thought process is gone. That sin is gone. He doesn't remember it. He said, I forgive you as far as the east is from the west. Now walk in freedom. So I, I, I implore you and I implore myself to be quick to repent, to be quick to bring that thought process to the cross and say, get it out of my heart, get it out of my mind. And then freedom will ensue and you will, and you will walk in freedom from that process. Put your hands on your head. In Jesus' name, I pray over the minds and hearts of every believer in this room. I pray freedom right now, freedom from a pattern that has been bounding and keeping captive. I pray freedom over any sin. I pray repentance and healing and wholeness over anything that has tried to take them down to the grave. They are free in Jesus' name.
I am free in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you for, for making me new every day. Thank you for always being there to pass grace right into my hands. Thank you for always being there to give me the freedom that I have. And thank you for helping us as a body of believers own and walk in that freedom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The last question I ask is, is this thought that I am having filled with grace? And this question kind of aims towards other people. When we're walking life out with other people, I'm not going to even say dealing with other people because that makes people something to deal with. We're not dealing with each other. We're loving each other. We're family. And we're not dealing with the world. The world is broken and lost, and they don't know what we know. And we have an opportunity to give them what we have. So we've got to change our thinking on how we look at each other and how we see the world around us. And uh, Jesus is really good, again, at saying, I, I, I want you to see everyone through the eyes of grace. Hmm. That is hard, hard, hard when someone has continually hurt you and knowingly does it. To look at them through the eyes of grace. To look at them and bless them even though they're cursing you. Mm. Wow. Oh, man. In Matthew 5, Jesus said it. However, I say to you, love your enemy. Bless the one who curses you. Do something wonderful for the one who hates you. And respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. For that will reveal your identity as, a ch as children of your heavenly Father. He is kind to all by bringing the sunrise to warm and rainfall to refresh, whether a person does what is good or evil. Wow, that last sentence is really good. He is kind to all by bringing the sunrise to warm and rainfall to refresh, whether a person does what is good or evil. Verse 47, how are you any different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? Don't even the ungodly do that. Since you are children of a perfect father in heaven, you are to be perfect like him. Think the best until otherwise shown. Think the best of someone. Love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness until otherwise shown differently. Instead of always thinking the worst about everything. Ugh. It's upside down. I'm flipping your brain over again. Just hold on. We're almost done. It is so easy in my mind for me to think the worst possible scenario right away. Someone hurts me. They're doing this, this, and this. I know it. They hate me. I did this, and they don't like me, and that, blah, 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 blah. And it goes to the worst possible scenario instantly in my head. Nobody else do that? Does anybody else do that? Please tell me I'm not alone. Thank you, Jesus. You may only written it for me, but that's okay. 
Oh, Jesus. His thought process day and night is always good, always holy, always pure, always noble. And he deals with us all day, every day. Come on. He has to put up with us all day, every day, and he's still full of joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and love and grace and mercy and everything else. Hallelujah. If he's full of that and he works with us, then what are we getting to be full of? What we, he's our dad and we look like him. The closer we get to him, the more intimacy we have with him, we look like him and we start to exude those responses. And Lord, I want to respond the way that you respond to my children, to my husband, to my friends, to my neighbors. Help me not to think in a selfish me thought process, but turn my thoughts to blessing instead of cursing. Instead of saying, I want revenge, saying, oh God, bless them, fill them, help them to know you. Not get them, Lord. Okay? Nobody's ever prayed that in this house, have they? No. Whew! It's upside down kingdom thought processes that we love those who hurt us. Now, does that mean, Leslie, that you don't get hurt? Okay. Let me just tell you, God created you with your heart and your emotions, but this whole taking the thought captive thing is key. It is okay to cry it out, but do not turn around and curse those who have hurt you. Bless them. That's that repentant part that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in freedom here, and I'm not going to let their bound, whatever, affect my freedom and, and, and whatever was happening. The enemy, okay, so people are not your enemy. People are not your enemy, We've said that before, but it's true. Your enemy is Satan, not the person that did whatever. No matter how broken and how messed up the situation is, the enemy is the one feeding the lies and feeding the mess, not the people. And that's hard when the people hurt you. So that's when you take that thought and you say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to love them. I'm going to bless them, even though my heart is breaking right now. And Jesus says, I'm your comfort. I'm going to heal that brokenness. And God always brings glory out of brokenness. God always brings glory out of the broken places. Amen? Okay. Last verse that I want to read to you. Well, no, there's two more. (laughs) But I read this one last week, Romans 12, and I've already quoted it a couple times. But Romans 12, 1 through 2, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Gossip, lying, cheating, all the things that the enemy tries to feed us to get us to do instead of allowing God to come in and do what he needs to do. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, the patterns set by the enemy, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind into kingdom thinking, kingdom processing, kingdom ways. He's good. He will help you, I promise. The question we need to start asking when we see a difficult situation is say, God, what are you doing in that situation? Let me get lined up with what you are doing. Okay, 
Did you hear what I said? God, what are you doing in this situation? Instead of the, the, the process of trying to figure it out and trying to fix it, we're going to line our hearts and our thoughts with, God, what are you doing? Show me you. Show me what you want me to do. And sometimes you don't have to do anything. Sometimes you just have to rest and let God handle it. Holy Spirit is way more effective than we are. We don't always have to open our mouths. And that is hard for an external processor. <laughs> that is hard for somebody like me. <laughs> I'll just be real. It's hard. But Jesus is way better. Holy Spirit is way better at trying to bring wholeness than we are. Not even trying. He does it. We don't have to even. Anyway, okay. I like the Passion Translation. I'm going to read verse 2. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Oh, yeah. How many of you want a beautifully satisfying life? Come on, everybody in this house wants one of those, right? And maybe you're already walking that, and praise God, keep walking it. Yeah? Oh, listen, you put that watch away. <laughs> Our, <laughs> it's 1130. I'm still on time. <laughs> Beautifully satisfying. Bless those who curse you in Jesus' name. Blessings. <laughs> Look what Art got for his birthday yesterday. Oh, my. Oh, my. Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. <laughs> You're five minutes fast, dude. Yeah, yeah, five minutes fast. You set it ahead. <laughs> Art, Art likes big watches. <laughs> yeah. Throughout this whole message, the Lord's been giving me a visual of the, what she's been trying to teach us today through the Holy Spirit. And I think of the olden days when they had a broken vase, and they, they didn't throw the pieces and parts away. They filled it with a pure gold and set it right. And I think that's what the Lord is trying to speak to us today is, is the, the Holy Spirit comes into the holes in our heart and the holes in our life and the holes in our mind to bring peace and bring comfort, and that's why I think we're trying to transform our minds and thinking today. So thank you for the message. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ooh. Pure gold, God. Pure gold. Refiner's fire. Mm. That's a whole nother sermon. It's good. I've lost my train of thought. No, I know I am. Okay. Jesus' goal is kingdom restoration in our thinking. Not just in the church and with the Christians, in our personal thinking. To be transformed in how we live, move, and have our being. Huh. He longs for his bride to love herself. Oh, man. He longs for his bride to love each other. 
We are his bride, in case you were wondering, all of us. He longs for his bride to love the unlovable. For this is the kingdom way. This is transformation. Hmm. Did you have something? Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. I remember why you're up here now. (laughs) 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 Last scripture and I'm done. Not yet. Well, almost. Okay. Matthew 5, 8. You are blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You are blessed when, (laughs) it's Matthew 5 again. You are blessed when your inside world, your mind and your heart are put right. We joke about our personalities and how he is more logic-driven and I am more heart-driven. And you can't have logic without heart, and you can't have heart without logic, right? Because our, our thinking, we're more logical, and we want in our thinking to figure things out and have it this way and do it that way. And then Jesus comes in and wrecks our plans and asks for a surrendered heart. He comes in and says, hey, how about we do it this way? And then our our thinking gets transformed, and our logic turns into his, and we're able to walk it out in victory. Mark and Amy brought a prayer need last month to the board meeting. And they were given a list. They needed an inspection on their sewer system. They live out in the country, and they have a special sewer system, and they needed inspected. They were given a list of inspectors, and none of the inspectors would inspect their system because it wasn't whatever they inspect. We were in the board meeting, and he's like, this is not good because they may tell me to take it completely out and replace it, which is a ten dollars to $20,000 job. They may tell me to um, fix it, still looking at ten. dollars The problems just kind of mounted in what the, it could happen. And the Holy Spirit said, tell him to, to check the list, the list again. I was like, in front He's of it. He's making a list. Checking it, it twice. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so check the list again. And I was like, that's crazy. I'm not saying that out loud in front of everybody. And I was like, okay. And when it came to my turn, I looked at him. I said, Mark, check the list again. Call him, call him again. You're going to find somebody. Somebody's going to come and inspect. And it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. Guess what happened the next week? (laughs) He checked the list again, and there was an inspector on the list that said that they would do the inspection. He came and he said, this fan right here needs replaced, and everything is good to go. And it'll be like $400 fix. Mark goes online, and he he finds the fan online, and and it ended up being an $85 fix. Won't he do it? When we transform our thinking and we say yes to Jesus, won't he do it? His follow-through is perfect. Jesus, bless whoever that ambulance is going after. Bring healing and wholeness in their bodies. In your name I pray. And if it's a cop, get them. Amen. <laughs> Just kidding. Bless those. <laughs> Woohoo! I have one more thing. I forgot 
this one. I got to read this one, okay? It'll take me two seconds. <laughs> it's a story, and it really is only two pages, I promise. <laughs> Ooh, this is good. You ready? A number of years ago, I went to America with a steamship captain who was a very devoted Christian. When we were off the coast of Newfoundland, he said to me, the last time I sailed here, which was five weeks ago, something happened that revolutionized my entire Christian life. I had been on the bridge for 24 straight hours when George Mueller of Bristol, England, who was a passenger on board, came to me and said, Captain, I need to tell you that I must be to Quebec on Saturday afternoon. He looked at him, he said, that is impossible. Very well, Mueller responded, if your ship cannot take me, God will find some other way, for I have never missed an engagement in 57 years. Let's go down to the chart room and pray. I looked at this man of God and thought to myself, what lunatic asylum did he escape from? I had never encountered someone like this. Mr. Mueller said, I said, do you realize how dense the fog is? No, he replied. My eye is not on the dense fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. He knelt down and prayed one of the most simple prayers I've ever heard. When he had finished, I started to pray. But he put his hand on my shoulder and he told me not to pray. He said, first, you do not believe God will answer. And second, I believe he has. Consequently, there is no need whatsoever for you to pray about it. <laughs> God help our unbelief. As I looked at him, he said, Captain, I have known my Lord for 57 years. And there has never been even a single day that I have failed to get an audience with the king. <laughs> get up, captain, and open the door. You will see that the fog is gone. I got up, and indeed, the fog was gone. And on, the, on Saturday afternoon, George Mueller was in Quebec for his meeting. If our love were just more simple, we would take him at his word. And our lives would all be sunshine in the sweetness of our Lord. Oh, yeah. Will you stand? I heard it said this week, if you protect your peace, your peace will protect you. If you take captive those thoughts and you make them obedient to Christ, he will walk out protection. <laughs>